Hey amigos, welcome back to MMA BJJ in Life. I'm your host DJ San Marco. It's been a long time, a very, very long time since I've talked to you guys. Um, mostly because I've been getting involved in a lot of other things. Um, I've restarted uh, my life here in Florida. have uh, taken up BJJ again, but really a lot of focus has been put on uh, yoga and um, getting my yoga teacher certification so I can help uh, better myself and uh, help some other people as well. Um, and um, so... You know, I've been dedicating a lot of time to that and uh, studying for that and not so much on the podcast front. But um, I was implored to talk to you guys today because one of my friends who I spoke with said when he asked me about Conor McGregor and then he asked me about the podcast, he said, Dave, which is what, depending on when you knew me in my life, my name is DJ or Dave. Um, Some of my high school friends call me Dave. And he said, um, you have to do a podcast on this because I broke it down with a lot of passion. So the purpose of today's episode is to give you guys the take that you haven't heard from everybody else. To give you what I consider to be, if not the final word, certainly the best word on McGregor, Khabib, what happened, who should have been the opponent, who was the opponent, not only for this card but for some of the other cards. Also, John Jones. We're going to break down uh, some of, some uh, John Jones for you as well. Um, so I'm going to like hit up on about the last 90 days of things that have gone down and give you guys uh, my best take, uh, what I think you guys have not heard anywhere in the media because a lot of people just skip over this stuff. They kind of look at things on the surface. And, and so I'm going to break it down for you uh, and and give you some thoughts on that. So without further ado, the McGregor Chronicles. Now, let's start. You guys have heard uh, on this podcast some of this before. Uh, and if you haven't, this is the first time. Uh, I'm going to give it to you straight as to what happened and why it happened. Well, excuse me. I'm not going to tell you what happened because you know what happened. In some cases where something's not apparent, I'll tell you what happened, but I'm going to tell you why it happened. Let's go. Conor McGregor at U- UFC 22-23 probably already had an intention to be at the card, so I don't think that the plan was never that he wasn't going to be here because Artem was fighting. There was a good rumor out there that Conor was going to be at this fight because of the fact that Lobov was fighting and that's his teammate. So fair enough on that, okay? Then, uh, then of course, obviously, he skips the press conference, and a lot of people are going to conjecture on what he was afraid of and what he wasn't afraid of. And if he really wanted to see Khabib, he would have shown up at this time in this place. I'm not going to conjecture on that. I am not one, like a lot of people, who thinks that these fighters are afraid of one another. In most cases, not in all cases, because in life we don't deal in absolutes most of the time, right? Um these fighters are not afraid of one another even though I have a particular opinion about Khabib versus McGregor McGregor I don't think is a, is uh, is scared of Khabib um, he probably thinks he'd beat the hell out of him here is where how we got here what you guys have to understand is that the McGregor incident did not start 
at UFC 223. Him picking up the dolly and or the the hand truck as those of us who have actually used one and moved stuff in our life knows that it's called a hand truck it's really not a dolly but um what he threw through the window or into the window rather did not start there this started way back and it crystallized at ufc 205 so answer me a question riddle me a question here folks if you are a UFC fighter, of which at one point or another they had 500 or something fighters, which is totally stupid. And I agree with Leslie Smith that they need to cut the roster down significantly, have people fight more often, if you will, as, as, as their health will allow, and, and actually increase their value and their earning potential. Okay, uh, Most fighters want to fight more, not less, unless there's someone who's trying to have a stranglehold on the belt like Amanda Nunes they want to fight t twice a year if they could they'd fight once a year if they could get away with it uh, but anyway let's get to this okay so when Conor McGregor is photographed and videoed and he's going and telling anecdotes about how he's backstage or at a hotel at his hotel or at Dana's house and he's having a drink in Jameson with the Fertitta brothers and or Dana White this is a big negative this is not a good thing because when you have a collective which is what the UFC is the presence and drawing power and artistry and earning potential that each one of these fighters is diminished in some way when you have one guy there who's special who's drinking uh, expensive Irish whiskey with the the owners of the promotion uh, in the backstage uh, or in any case in the hotel room or in Dana's house or watching at Connor's place that he rented in Vegas whatever you can't have that when you have all these other fighters on the roster because in their mind because they're not drinking uh, expensive uh, whiskey with the Fertitta brothers, the, the then owners of the company, then their value in their mind can't be anywhere near as great as McGregor's is, right? So that's step one. That was the first thing, the first time that Connor could look at himself and say, I'm different than the rest of yous, right? That's when the red panty night stuff comes out and all these things, is when he says, when he is able to not only have an opinion of himself he can prove it and he proves it because you can go you can see video of him and hear anecdotes that he had a drink with the owners so he's not just saying i think i'm different i think i'm great it's not just a line of bullshit he proved it and that is what started the train rolling up the hill that eventually he rolled up the hill and up the hill and up the hill and then he got near the peak and he couldn't carry the tra I'm sorry you so many train analogies on the show he couldn't get it any higher and it rolled back over him and he ended up in court in Brooklyn okay now here's the second part UFC 205 let's go to UFC 200 let's 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 resume at UFC 200. Connor wins a lot of fights. He beats Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. He wins the title. He never defends it. He's supposed to fight at UFC 200. And I 
can't remember who he was going to fight there. So somebody will have to let me know, email me about that at djsanmarco at gmail. Um, Connor was supposed to fight there. He was suspended for not doing media obligations. Uh, that they wanted him to come from Ireland. He was in a train camp. That's right. He had fought Nate Diaz. And he was supposed to rematch Nate um, at UFC 200, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Right? And he didn't want to do an appearance. And this is where I actually agree with Connor. He was really working on his game over in Ireland. He didn't want to, or actually, he was in Iceland. He was fluctuating between Iceland with Gunnar Nelson. He had taken his whole team to Iceland. And he didn't want to leave that in the training environment and come and do more media. And this one, I actually agree with Connor because he's done enough. So Dana wanted to show everybody has to do media. So they suspend Connor for UFC 200 and he doesn't fight. So UFC 205 now in New York City, uh, that one was in Vegas, this one's in New York City, is going to be uh, his his grand return. And it's going to be, they make a big deal out of it, it's the big biggest fight uh, because it's the first time in New York City, they just legalized MMA in the state. And I, being someone who's from New York, loves New York, really don't care that much about it, but People like Ariel Helwani wanted to go on and on about it being the fight mecca and all that stuff. Very, very little connection between Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali in 1971 and the UFC there now, but it's okay. So, at that, at that card, Jose Aldo is asking to rematch Conor for his featherweight belt at, on that card. He had gone something on the order of 10 years without losing a fight. Uh, many of those in the UFC, some of those in the WEC, but he had gone on a very long run of not losing a fight. And he's beaten in 13 seconds. And there was, at the time, reason to believe that Jose Aldo could, should he be able to unleash the entire... MMA game that he possesses, the wrestling that he has, the jiu-jitsu that he has, the leg kicks that he has, that possibly he could beat McGregor. We would later find out that that's false, but that that's another story for later on. But there was good reason to argue that that could happen. Now you have Khabib Nurmagomedov coming off of about a year-long injury, rehabbing his knee after tearing his knee in training, canceling the Tony Ferguson fights, all these sorts of things. Tony had just beaten Rafael Dos Anjos to win um, the... Actually, I'm not sure if he had fought Dos Anjos yet. Uh, or I, I think he had, but Dos Anjos was not the champion at that time. So Eddie Alvarez... Uh, was the oh, yes, that's right. Eddie Alvarez had knocked out Dos Anjos um, to win the lightweight title. So I will say that Tony had not fought him yet. Tony had fought him later on, and then and then also beat him down in Mexico City. So so now you have Connor wanting to fight. Excuse me, wanting to fight for the lightweight title, but Khabib has already been verbally promised that coming back off an of injury and never having lost a fight in mixed martial arts competition, he is going to get a shot at the lightweight title at 205. He has a big presence in Brooklyn, a big Russian presence. He would have been a big draw. 
and then you could have McGregor rematching um, Jose Aldo on top of the card and the UFC could say look you've put you know m several years in the company 10 years you haven't lost you lost this one fight you deserve the rematch he's been a loyal fighter to the UFC and Khabib Nurmagomedov never having lost an MMA fight deserved a shot at that lightweight title he deserved to get a shot at Eddie Alvarez both of those guys did not get what they wanted uh, they reneged on their agreement to give Khabib the shot and allowed Connor to call his shot and say that he was going to fight Eddie Alvarez and that he needed to fight Eddie for that second belt this did two things a it told two of the most important fighters are inarguably two of the most important fighters on the roster Jose Aldo Khabib Nurmagomedov that you guys are not important this guy is more important than you and he's gonna get a shot at the title though he has never once defended his featherweight belt yeah so that is where businessman Patrick Whitesell and businessman Ari Emanuel brand new owners of the UFC having bought this monstrosity from the Fertitta brothers and Dana White the force of personality the deal maker okay even if you have to have all three owners sit down with this this monstrosity that you've created in McGregor who thinks that he is the only important one in the company because that's what you led him to believe and you say Connor we want you to be on this card more than anything but two things have to be true we have to have you atop this card as the main event over all these other fighters you want a young J check everybody else a Tyron Woodley everyone else that's on this card but you gotta give Jose Aldo the rematch you gotta do it okay and we got it we owe Khabib a shot at that lightweight title we promised it to him we gotta give it to him and if you win against against Jose Aldo again and he would have we'll go into that later then you get a shot at the title okay you win tonight you get the next shot at the lightweight title it's a guarantee mark it up we'll say it on the press conferences we'll say it in public you get a shot at whomever wins and it'll probably be Khabib because he's never been beaten so they don't do any of that so once again now what else would that have accomplished by giving him by having him scream at you go get my second fucking belt because they only had one belt for Connor after he knocks out Eddie Alvarez they go get him a second belt and now he can put up his two middle fingers and say F you I'm gonna go do something else I'm gonna go to boxing deuces and I don't need to come back for for a long period of time it's now been well over a year since he's fought in the UFC he did in fact fight that that fight against Floyd Mayweather and I don't necessarily disagree with Connor or the UFC on taking that fight I think it was brilliant uh, it was it good for the UFC probably not but financially it was in a year that they were down they needed that cash and they got some cash great um, but Connor could do that knowing that he was leaving as a two belt 
champion something he didn't deserve that title shot at lightweight Khabib did deserve it and I tell you here folks the anger that Khabib Nurmagomedov feels toward Conor McGregor today you will not see the performance that you saw against Al Iaquinta and I want to explain something to you if you saw Daniel Cormier against Anderson Silva and you saw that DC looked quote lackluster unquote in beating Silva you must understand why that man came in on a couple of days notice and saved that card he saved Daniel from making a $500,000 paycheck that he wasn't gonna make if Anderson Silva didn't step up and say I'll take that fight and I can make the weight that is how big this is and the same with Ally Quinta you see Khabib you see Khabib get uh, pounding Ally Quinta on the ground did he leg lace Al no did he go for the far side wrist control and beat him and smash him until he could get a Kimura no he didn't do a lot of those things when Al gave up his back Khabib usually will take you against the fence throw you down again leg lace you again and hit you some more until you just can't take it but he actually took uh, uh, Al's back that's a favor getting a getting a rear naked choke that's a favor compared to getting beat down by Khabib for five rounds but I'm sure in his heart of hearts he said Anthony Pettis is asking for stupid money Max Holloway couldn't wake the weight there's nobody else here this guy's gonna help me get paid and you know what I appreciate that bro there is no doubt there was a bromanship and especially the way that Al Iaquinta came out and fought like a warrior excuse me getting a drink had zero fear in him and came out and fought like a beast against Khabib that's something that Khabib respected but if you think that performance is indicative of the kind of performance you're gonna get against Conor McGregor then you don't know anything about Khabib because he really did not he he struck with Al it was only a couple of times more that he tried to take him down with that single leg he could have gone to the body lock there's a lot of ways he could have tried to do that that he didn't he didn't do the, the fury that he's gonna put on McGregor is gonna be far greater than what you saw against Ally Quinta and that's good for his brand actually that people think there is an avenue to beat him and there are avenues to beat him nobody's unbeatable he's not unbeatable nobody thinks that nobody's unbeatable okay however he is not as beatable as people are saying simply because of the fact of how he fought against I Quinta please don't make the mistake don't be a fool and don't use that as your sort of uh, your analysis of what his skills are and how he's gonna fight against the next guy because let me tell you something a lot of people Max Holloway would have gotten the same treatment Max Holloway would have gotten the same treatment or worse um, because he's just not as physically powerful he doesn't have the wrestling acumen that that Al had to try to stand up again okay what happens now so now Connor is in such uh, a, a desperate situation in that insofar as he's gonna have to pay and the lawsuits are coming Ray Borg has I believe if he's not filed a suit he's already retained counsel 
uh, Michael Chiesa has retained counsel and then you may see additional people that have uh, that have retained counsel that that hasn't been reported yet that didn't get to fight uh, that night uh, people got paid their show money if, if they don't think their win money is enough they'll go after Connor for the extra okay um, when you begin to look at the law and you start to assess damages so if Kiesa said okay I was gonna get paid 80 grand or whatever it was and I didn't get it you know I, I didn't get my win but it's not only the 80 grand when you start putting jurors in there and they start to assess damages of on future against future earnings and and how that cut could affect his face and what uh, opportunities that he might have gotten outside the cage that he now won't get because he wasn't on this high-profile card in Brooklyn, um, those damages could be five times or more what what they were uh, what his, his his purse was. It could be a significantly higher amount of money. You think about somebody spilling. Uh, coffee on themselves at McDonald's that was super hot and getting scalded and getting a million dollars out of that you don't think they could go for a couple of million on McGregor I beg to differ uh, how about the company is gonna sue him uh, I don't think Rose will just because I don't think it's in Rose to do that but any of the fighters that didn't get to fight that night as a result Anthony Pettis could sue him um, there could be several fighters um, uh, Brandon Moreno could sue him. Um, so this could get really ugly. Paul Felder could sue him if he wanted to. There are several fighters, eight fighters or so, that didn't get to fight because of what McGregor did. So that could happen. So now I think they will make a play to make this fight. I again, I don't think McGregor is afraid of Khabib. Um, I don't think he'll beat Khabib. I think Khabib will be will immediately go for a clinch. He will take Connor down, and Connor doesn't have the ground skills. He doesn't have that toughness on the ground that Ally Quinta does. And I think he will probably give up his back or his neck or something like that. And and I think, but I think I don't think Khabib will take his back. I am certain. I promise you that Khabib will flatten him out and punish him. Um, he he really really will. And and Connor just, regardless of how good of a fighter, a great of a fighter he is, he just doesn't have the ground acumen to deal with somebody like Khabib, and it's not going to be good for him. So if they do that in Russia, I think McGregor will talk this up into the biggest MMA fight in history, and and I think it. In the end, it, it's not going to look very good for him when Khabib is able to clinch with him. And Khabib will. Because you have to, you know, for Connor, it has to be a clean shot. And he's just not going to be able to shuck off Khabib. Um, you know, for that for that matter, nobody has. Al really didn't even do that. Khabib shot a single. But he will clinch with Connor. He will get him down. And then I don't, I don't think, I'm not sure that Connor gets up. So... Um, so I think that's what's going to happen. But let's let's take a look at what did happen, and I'm going to be a little bit critical of the UFC here, 
and and look at how they're screwing up by the numbers as you analyze the decisions they make in in who they're going to choose to fight whom okay so you risked an Edson Barbosa I mean okay I can understand Edson Barbosa is so highly ranked that there's not a lot of people that, that you could put him against and Khabib nearly broke him as Khabib says people aren't the same after they fight me and he told Holloway that, uh, Max Holloway that I love Max Holloway everybody loves Max Holloway I believe Khabib even probably admires and loves Max Holloway but you you don't take a champion from a lower division a guy just coming off injury who couldn't fight like a month ago and stick him in there with Khabib a guy who has a brilliant fighting style someone that everybody likes to watch the way that he fights and his brilliant standing attack and I'm a jiu-jitsu guy I love ground game so don't you know to me I'm not begging for guys to stand and trade for five rounds but you know for instance tonight you know Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje there wasn't one takedown so or if there was one half takedown and Gaethje popped right back up okay I like ground game but Max Holloway has an extremely fan-friendly appealing style and if I'm the UFC I hope he becomes champion for a long time what do they do they're gonna put him in there against Khabib Nurmagomedov and they do this they do this after they called Brian Ortega first the best jiu-jitsu guy in the UFC the best submission guy a guy who has magic in his body just knocked out Frankie Edgar grabs a hold of your neck and it's ball game over for Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts right and he says I'll take the fight I can make the weight and they say we'll get back to you and that's it they give the fight to Max Holloway this is how short-sighted the UFC is they keep doing dumb things like this Brian Ortega said and he said to Matt Sarah who was the eventual coach against Khabib in this fight this guy cannot break me on the ground he cannot I have trained my whole adult life for this kind of combat with Henner and Huron Gracie foremost purveyors of Elio Gracie's self-defense style if you will and this guy cannot break me most fascinating matchup you can make the guy who grounds and pounds people with a guy who can't be grounded and pounded who's gonna win I don't know but I'll tell you what that 10 pounds is not gonna make the difference the fact that Ortega just fights at 145 that is not gonna make a difference and Gracie Jiu Jitsu dictates that now do I know what the outcome of that fight's not is going to be? No, I don't. He wasn't. I don't know that he was in training camp. I don't know that he was training for Khabib. But I know he rolls jujitsu, and he rolls jujitsu as his life. And Brian Ortega was the guy to take that fight in this situation, and the UFC screwed it up. Was that to the benefit of Ally Quinta? Absolutely. I love Ally Quinta and Ray Longo and Matt Sarah and their team. Sarah Longo is phenomenal. Ally Quinta is an absolute warrior. Love the guy. So happy for him. But the proper fight to make from Jump Street was Brian Ortega, not Max Holloway. That's why the UFC, of course, picks Max Holloway. So.
So, in you know, in in to further the point in, in responding to Hefe, uh, Steffi Haynes' post uh, earlier uh, this week, actually, she said it on the Three Amigos podcast. She said, um, "How's about um, Tyron Woodley against Khabib? That's fascinating. Uh, for me, Ben Askren against Khabib. That's fascinating. Uh, Tony Ferguson." Um, against Khabib, endlessly fascinating. Connor against Khabib, great. I don't think it's going to be as great a fight. You know, let's just talk about it. Ben Askren, you have the two greatest wrestlers in MMA in I don't know how many years, in you know, in ten years. Um, one, the American style wrestling, an Olympian, a phenomenal wrestler, and Ben Askren going up against. Uh, uh, Khabib with the Russian Dagestani style, um, you know, sambo and judo and wrestling, just a you know great trips and stuff, um, more so than what Ben would use. Phenomenal, phenomenal, both phenomenal athletes, tough as nails. Fighters would be a perfect fight. Um, so why don't the UFC um, try to sign Ben and make this fight? I I don't know. Uh, Tyron Woodley, a phenomenal fight. I think there, I'm fairly sure that Khabib would have a lot of trouble getting close to Woodley and getting him down. He's so powerful. He shucks off takedowns so well with the size. I, I think he would hurt Khabib. I don't think I, I. I'm fascinated to see it, but I wouldn't like Khabib's chances against Tyron Woodley. So, uh, and we've already talked about McGregor. I think he beats McGregor. Um, and Tony Ferguson, it's still out there. Tony is not very breakable. Um, the question is, can Tony get to his guard? Because nobody has successfully put Khabib in guard and worked. Khabib passes guard like immediately. He's a phenomenal guard passer. And Tony is got you know the Eddie Bravo style, the 10th Planet style. So can he put him in guard? Eddie's also a brilliant strategist. So Eddie, I guarantee you has broken down a lot of tape of Khabib and how to attain guard for somebody like Tony. Eddie is very, very, very analytical. He will, he really, I'm sure he's thought about it and they've trained for it and you just don't see it. They show Tony training striking, but I'm certain Eddie is not dumb. Tony also is not dumb. And I'm sure you can see all the bag work you want. But he's been wrestling and planning on how he's going to get to guard against Khabib because he knows that he's going to be on his back. I mean, you'd be an absolute idiot not to think that. So so that's that. That kind of finishes up the McGregor Chronicles along with the Khabib Chronicles and the UFC um, mistakes that led us to get there with Connor, how he got to a position where he thought that he could throw a hand truck into the window of a truck, not thinking about what those consequences. People want to attribute that to drugs, but it all comes from a mindset that you matter and nobody else matters. And and Connor should have known, you know, should have known that he can't be that self-important to do that, no matter how much he wants to get at Khabib. And I don't agree with Khabib and his boys cornering Artem Lobov and sitting there and may, you know screaming at him in Russian and threatening him and whatever else they did. I, I don't think I think that was bad and I think uh, Khabib should have been 
taken a task uh, by the UFC for that. You're both fighting on the card, and if you want to have beef with Lobov, uh, that's something you can set up later on, but, but you certainly don't want to do that when you're both about to fight the next day. Uh, I want to also get to Jonathan Bones Jones. Um, this is something that has bothered me for some time since he had his uh, hearing with the California State Athletic Commission. And what I seek to do is to find out if anybody is stupid um, or if there's anybody that has put any kind of thought into what any kind of thought into what John Bones Jones's history is, what he says, and what he does. And I am he's sitting here thinking, I'm the only one. Because this guy does things and says things, and you guys do not react with even the slightest cynicism when he's proven that if he does know how to tell the truth, he forgot a long time ago. And here's what I mean by that. Okay, John Jones now has two legit drug failures. The cocaine aside, they're not supposed to test for cocaine and they're not supposed to post those results. And John probably could have had a lawsuit against, um, um, I don't know which lab it was that posted that or if it was USADA. He probably could have sued them, but he probably didn't want to because he's probably thinking that, uh, that uh, they'll adjudicate against him on other issues and he's probably right when John Jones tells you when 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 the uh, the panelist from uh, the California State Athletic Commission says to him John it says right here that you read and understood the the drug policy which encompasses all these things about making sure that you put it on your forms and make sure you don't uh, take things from these sources and that you tell us everything that you did take so that way these um, here's how you look things up these are some safe sources all this training and they ask him John it says here you electronically signed that you took that training and John Jones says, oh, yeah, I know I said that, but it was really my manager that did it. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me that you believe? And people are going, oh, I can't believe, man, he let his manager. How, how reckless can you be? Dude, he didn't, dummy. His whole defense is based on plausible deniability. Don't you get that? For two straight drug cases now his entire defense is I didn't know what I was doing I was a victim of circumstance I was just dumb I didn't know so how's he gonna do that and then come and respond to it truthfully and say oh yeah I took the training but I just figured I was gonna do it anyway then he's just proven that he's disregarding the rules his whole defense has to be that I didn't know I didn't know the rules because my manager took the training pretending it was me. Of course his manager didn't take the training. Probably neither of them took the training. He probably just flipped to the end and signed it off if that was possible to do. And checked the box and electronically signed that he did it. He's not going to tell you that he disregarded it. 
That would be dumb. That would that would deep six his entire defense. His entire defense for everything is I didn't know. Albuquerque uh, police officer says to him, "Hey, John, where's your um? Can I have your license and registration, please?" Oh, I don't have it with me. Here's my registration and insurance. I don't have my driver's license. Why not? Oh, I usually just drive with my passport. I didn't know that I'm supposed to have my li- What? How could you not know that you're supposed to have your license? Every 16-year-old person that takes their driver's test in the United States of America knows you have to have your license on you when you drive. Everybody knows that. But yet John, in in a fleeting moment, his first instinct is lie first. Never admit fault. Sound familiar? Well, I won't I won't connect the dots on that. But that's what John does. I usually I usually bring my passport when I drive What? Bring your passport? Are you gonna go to any country that oh yeah I just drive with my passport now as a tourist of course you don't have to have every country's driver's license that's assumed you can just travel be a tourist somewhere and show your state driver's license depending upon what you do um, that doesn't mean it's going to get you out of trouble but you're legally allowed to drive a rental car in Italy even though you don't have an Italian license but everybody in every country knows that a passport which is meant to establish identity and citizenship for international travel and traversing borders of various countries that a passport establishes the identity of that person and nationality everybody knows that but this idiot tells the cop that he drives with his fucking passport because his first inclination is to lie the truth is is that he didn't have a New Mexico license and his New York license was suspended because the the police had tried to look him up and he didn't have a New Mexico license because he was just a brand new resident had just moved himself from New York to New Mexico but John is going to lie in every situation and if you guys haven't figured out that yet now haven't figured that out now you are the fool not John you are the dummy because he always lies of course he's not gonna admit to the California State Athletic Commission that he didn't take the training he's gonna say my manager did it for me because if he tells him he took the training then he could say I just disregarded your fucking rules because I don't care which is the truth he doesn't care obviously but I don't believe him that he said his manager did it that was a way to maintain his line of defense which could only be plausible deniability okay maybe this guy really is a dummy and you guys believe him you analysts are going, man, I can't believe that he let Malky take the training. He didn't. We don't know who took the training, but he had to say that. It was required of the defense that he say that Malky took it. Because if he admits that, his entire defense is shit. 
Then he has no defense at all. He is hoping they're going to say, ah, well, he was a little dumb. He made a mistake. He didn't know. He was a little reckless and careless. Ah, we'll give him a year. And he's already served a year, so he can fight. That's what he's hoping for. Do you guys believe that some nondescript teammate before uh, the fight with um, with Cormier the first, uh, the first time that he gave him a dick pill? Do you guys believe that? You really believe that some guy that we wouldn't know, some nondescript guy, they don't want to name him, he comes into Jackson's and, and says, hey, John, yeah, I got these pills. Would you want to try it? And yeah, shoot, I'm only a week out from the fight or less. Yeah, I'll try it. Do you think that really happened? Are you that gullible? Really? That didn't happen, man. That did not happen. They got lucky that they were able to find a dick pill online that had found that it had trace elements of what the fuck was found in his system. And once they found that, all they had to do was order some and then say, see, yeah, this is what he took. A teammate had given it to him. That's what happened, okay? That's what happened. That's the guy that hides under the cage, as is a well-documented story by people who were there to avoid USADA. So, and at the old Jacksons, he slides himself under the cage and hides so that the inspector can't find him. Where's John? I don't know. I don't know where he's at. Not going to look under the cage. It would have been so ridiculous if he would have. And shined a flashlight down there and said, John, come out. He would have been pumped full of steroids from when he was doing the deadlifting shit. Um, and there's a lot of people that have seen those photos that said, nah, I'm sorry. He didn't just start lifting and get that big. So, um, And, you know, then of course he's got video of him lifting enormous amounts of weight. So deadlifting, I don't know what the weights are. You can ask Luke Thomas or Larry Pepe or people to follow this. But that is the truth about the liar. The liar is going to lie about everything that he can possibly lie about. Therefore, I really don't care if he fights again, although he's probably the greatest fighter I've ever seen who doesn't need to do any drug to beat anybody, including probably Daniel Cormier. And I say probably because we don't know, because he's always had something in his system. Uh, but he can probably beat Cormier. Um, he could probably beat anybody could probably beat most of the UFC heavyweights, including probably Stipe and others. Um, he already proved, I, I guess in a hotel room, that even though Fabrizio Verdum had him in his guard, he could still f hit Fabrizio in the face. So he's a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Um, one of the toughest guys on the planet Earth. Uh, physically, mentally, he's an incredible fighter. And why he chose to do drugs and fuck up his career and his life I, I, I really don't know but I just know that lying and being untruthful is part and parcel of everything that John Jones is and if you buy it when he tells you teammate gave me a dick pill didn't know I was supposed to have my license with me when I drive um, gee yeah I never took the training so I didn't know yeah, didn't put it on my forms because uh, I let my manager fill that. Whatever. 
whatever his excuse is, everything is a lie. He is a professional liar. Who would tell a police officer, I didn't... Now, here's the simple answer. I'm going to give you... This is what me, DJ San Marco, would do if a cop pulled me over for speeding or anything and says, um, may I see your license and registration? Here is my registration, my insurance. I don't have my license. Why don't you have your license? I left it at home. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to ticket you for driving without a license and and then whatever other ticket and that's that. Okay, sorry officer, it's my bad. Left it at home. See, it's a simple fucking answer. But what does John Jones do? He lies. He says, I didn't know I was supposed to have my driver's license. Who could say that? How is that possible? That's what a dumbass this guy is. That's what you that's what you have to understand about John Jones is that he will lie in every given situation. He lied about to Rashad Evans when he said I would ne and it goes all the way back. I would never fight you. We're brothers. You're my brother. I wouldn't fight you. Then he goes on a radio show and says, "Yeah, I would fight Rashad." Totally punked Rashad. Rashad feels bad about himself and completely blasts apart the team an original member of the team and it was a dumb thing that Jackson said anyway oh yeah we're family here we don't fight it's like man you can't bring in all these people from what first of all that's Rashad told you in the first place dumbass that that's why he didn't want to bring John in because he said they could fight then you said oh we have a team thing that we're family we don't fight yeah, but when guys are in the same weight class, they want that belt. That's why they're here, Greg. It's prize fighting. Of course they want to fight. That's why you don't you do like AKA, you idiot, and you don't bring in another 155er that's at the top level when you have Khabib, and you don't bring in another heavyweight that's top level when you have Kane, and you don't bring in another light heavyweight that's at the top level when you have Daniel and you don't bring in another middleweight that's at the top level when you have Luke but you guys don't do that at Jackson's you wanna suck up all the money in the world so every fighter no matter what weight class or who's in camp come on in train with each other we got no time for any of you but go ahead and train together and enjoy it and do lots of Instagram photos and it's all good and we'll get 10% of your money or more and gym fees yeah that's that's the plan at Jackson's it's a big lie just like John Jones is a big lie it's all bullshit when you really care about these guys and you really develop a relationship and you love these guys the way that they do it aka and I have nothing to do with aka I've never met anybody from their squad and I've met a bunch of people that I really like at Jackson's that I think are awesome. Okay. Um, is they bring in a top a fighter for the top weight classes, top of their weight classes, I want to train there, and they make a relationship with that guy. That's their guy. And they don't bitch and complain and act like a baby like Winkle John when uh, you know Claudia Gadelia wants to go train with Chris Luttrell 
and also wants to train at Jackson's and act like a big baby like Mike Winklejohn, you do like crazy Bob Cook and Javier Mendez and say, Luke, if you want to go train with Henry Hooft in Florida, hey man, go have go go make a career, go make yourself better. We're always here for you. That's what you do. That's what real men do. That's what Jair Lorenzo does. That's what Chris Luttrell does. That's not what babies like Andre Pedneras and the Jackson Winklejohn team does. They're the they're the, the, the crybaby idiots. Okay? I mean, I'm giving you guys the straight, straight truth as I know it. AKA is the type of organization where they care about and love these fighters. And they would never bring another head... Cain Velasquez hasn't fought in like freaking two years. And they won't bring in another top heavyweight until Cain says, I'm not fighting anymore. Is that the best business for Hav Mendez and Cook? No. What if they brought in two, three heavyweights and were getting a, a percentage of their salary? What if they brought Overeem in there? Would that be nice? Yeah, but instead... But instead, these freaking boneheads uh, go and bring in everybody and their brother and sister that they could get. Got Michelle Watterson there? Bring in Gedalia. Yeah! Even though Gedalia is ahead of her in the weight class. They're, it's just ridiculous. Then they go and tell... Then they go and tell fighters, hey, yeah, she's training with Latrell. You guys can you guys can, can be rough with her. You guys can can tee off on her a little bit. Yeah, that's great. That's great, Mike. That's that's what you do with Gadelia. You tell her to her face, we love you, and then you tell other fighters behind her back to rough her up. That's good. Yeah. So, um, that's all I got for you guys. I'm not going to rant any longer. I just wanted to get you a little bit of Connor, a little bit of Khabib, a little bit of John Jones. Um, and I wanted to get you the truth in, you know, the truth as I know it about these camps, the divergence in fealty between AKA and Jackson's and how the UFC screws up by the numbers when they put together a lot of these matchups, specifically here. They were about to wreck Max Holloway. Thank God that the weight cut didn't go well and they didn't have a chance to get him, hit the shit beat out of him by Khabib on the ground. And maybe he wouldn't be the same. Maybe he wouldn't come back with the fervor and fire that he has. But someone, you know, was looking out for Max Holloway. Thank God. So. And Brian Ortega, who was ready for a ground battle with anybody in the UFC. Yeah, nah. We don't need you. We're good. Thank God for Ally Quinta. He got to come in and save the day. So, alright. That's all we got for you today, folks. I want to thank you for um, listening. MMA BJJ in life. It's 51.31 in. Just heard a phenomenal uh, podcast today. Um, if you're really into jiu-jitsu, I heard um, it's called the G Word with Rose Gracie and TJ DeSantis. Somebody I've been a phone with for a long, uh, been a fan of for a long time. Um, they inter interview Pedro Valenti or P Pedro Valinch 
who owns a very Gracie-esque school in Miami. They were students of the Gracies from a, a young age and are the best incarnation of self-defense jiu-jitsu that you can find probably anywhere or, or among the uh, only elite Gracie self-defense schools. Um, they are that in, uh, in Miami. They're very famous for that. And some fascinating history, I promise you, about Brazilian jiu-jitsu and jiu-jitsu from Japan that you've never heard, including even the way that you spell jiu-jitsu, which is J-U and then J-I-T-S-U. And the conjugal characters in kanji actually translate to J-U and then J-I-T-S-U, which is gentle, gentle art. Okay. Um, uh, Pedro was absolutely, he was not overbilled when Rose Gracie said he's the most brilliant person um, involved in Gracie Jiu-Jitsu to tell that story, including she's learned things from from him uh, and her father's Hori and Gracie. So um, half of that is out and up on, on the web now, the G word, and it's really good. It, it was, <laughs> I, won't, I won't say anything else about it, but it's really, really good. Um, also, the Sure Doggers are on uh, Patreon. I um, think I'm going to probably sign up for them. The Outsiders with Jeff uh, Sherwood and Josh Gross, and then there's another one. Uh, there's another one with Jordan Breen, and I I can't remember what it's called, but you can you can find them on. Um, um, I think it's called Between Rounds. Between Rounds on Patreon. So I, I need to get up with that. Anyway, thank you very much for your time and your attention and hopefully uh, before long something will happen that that will set me on fire that I have to come on and talk to you about it but what I'm trying to give you here are takes that you don't hear everywhere from everybody I'm trying to give you takes that are that are unique um, and um, and so it is you know it, it, it it's not um, you know the rank and file that you hear from MMA media I'm gonna break it down and I'm gonna look deeper than what they look and not just take what people say at face value I'm gonna look behind that so thanks a lot uh, at MMA underscore BJJ underscore and life on Twitter if you want to get at me thanks for listening everybody I'll see you down the road, and as always, I wonder what's up around the bend. Baby, sometimes I'm so carefree With a joy that's hard to hide And sometimes it seems that all I have to do is worry And then you're bound to see my other side